0: Go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply and we'll set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business. Not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today.
1: All right. So far, Mercer has given us the State of the Union. He's provided us with, I think, some really phenomenal value as to how to get clients compliant or businesses compliant if you're you're an internal CMO, marketing manager, whatever. The thing I want to know most, though, the thing that I'm most interested uh, in, generally speaking, because I'm a tool nut, is how are you doing all of this? And Chris has an amazing tech stack. I've seen it. I'm excited about it. And he's going to share it with us, not withhold anything. The whole kit and caboodle, give away the farm right after this quick break.
2: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic.
0: Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear. And DJ Sprague attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management now that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much
1: Welcome back to Perpetual Traffic. We're chatting with our boy Chris Mercer, probably the most important voice in the digital marketing space today. And he's made a pretty epic promise to us and to the Perpetual Traffic listeners. He's going to give us his toolkit, start to finish. Mercer, hmm. this is a big deal what you're doing here. He's got I appreciate t- I
0: think he's got his tool belt on right now, he's got the That's kit in does. the back. So He looks like he knows how to swing a hammer. Oh yeah, he's 100%. Like There's wrenches and nail guns and all kinds of stuff on there.
2: That's what it is. That's what everybody else thinks it is, to be honest, I think. It's all. like keeping things simple, right? That's that's what I think the claim to fame is with just any sort of educational service at all is it's not hard to complicate things. It's really hard to keep them simple. And with Hmm. measurement, that's the exact thing to focus on. How do we keep this as simple as possible? So there are only really every system, no matter what you're using, has to essentially do three things. You have to collect information that you're trying to collect so you can get answers to questions that you're asking. You have to then store that information someplace so that you can access it later, right? Some sort of behavioral database or whatever. And then you have to build reports on that. And of course, that's where the end user actually interacts with the information. So collect, store, and report. Every measurement system does that. Everyone that has used any sort of measurement system at all, that's all they're doing. They're collecting information, they're storing that somewhere, and they're building reports off of it. So there are organizations that can start, especially if you're on the smaller side, just using a tool like Google Analytics. I am a fan of free. I think if if you really understand how to use those tools, you can unlock a massive amount of potential with those tools. So with Google Analytics, it collects its own information. You can just use a plugin if it's a WordPress site or turn on the Shopify integration if it's your cart, whatever the thing is. It collects its information. It stores that information in its own database. And then of course it has its own reports, right? And that's the same for whether it's universal analytics or the the new kid on the block, which is Google Analytics 4, which is the one that everybody really should start moving toward. So you've got Analytics as a platform that can do that on its own. However, and this is where you add a couple of extra things. When you think about, and I'm again, I'm a fan of the the Googleverse because it's free. Everything is free, and they're immensely powerful for those that are that are brave enough to learn how to use them. And it's really, which isn't really that hard. It just takes a little bit of practice, like any new skill does. But the collection of google analytics kind of by itself it can do page views google analytics 4 can do some additional things like outbound clicks when they're going to a different website or measuring when they scroll to the bottom of the page It can do some of those more intent-based behaviors but it really can't do anything fancy like when i was talking earlier about being able to measure when they see a pricing table for at least four seconds in the viewable browser window imagine an e-commerce store where it's like oh they actually interacted with our product images they clicked on at least two different product images versus, oh, they've they've read our reviews and they're reading reviews for at least five seconds. Like when you get to that level of behaviors that you're trying to collect for, that, that sort of information you want to collect, you got to use a different platform. Analytics really is going to be the best platform. It's going to be something called Tag Manager. And that's what, ta- you know, Google has Google Tag Manager, which is what we use primarily. And it's incredible. It does, it's built to collect information. Now it doesn't store information and it doesn't build reports or are no reports you go use. You just set it up to collect the information. Then you tell Tag Manager, listen, when somebody looks at this pricing table for at least four seconds, or watches the video to at least the you know 43 minute mark, or 10% of the way through, or listen to my audio podcast, whatever the behavior is that you're measuring for, Tag Manager tells Google Analytics, but it can also tell Facebook, you can tell Google Ads, you can tell Microsoft, right? Whatever all the people are using for traffic. And it can tell all those different platforms what's going on. So now those platforms can store the information which is another reason why I like Tag Manager, because it's not just one platform that has that specific detail anymore. It's all of them. So mm-hmm. all the platforms are getting the same source of truth at the same time from the same thing, right? In this case, Tag Manager. So Tag again, Tag Manager measures for the certain behaviors, collects that information, sends it on to the platform to store. And that is honestly where a platform like Google Analytics is really good. It is really good at storing information. That's what it does incredibly well. So that's what we use it for. We just use it for that. And so we use Google Tag Manager to collect our information. We use Google Analytics to store the information, the behaviors that are happening on the pages. And then we use a platform called Google Data Studio, also free, to build our reports. Because I think a lot of people, like what a popular question we get is like, we gotta learn how to analyze our reports. And I'm like, well, what you really gotta do is like figure out how to build reports that don't need to be analyzed. Like that's what, <laughs> that's what you should do. So I, I think about it like when it comes to dashboards and reporting, like for me, the spirit animal is your car dashboard. So if you look and you see your speedometer and you go, okay, you instantly know whatever that number is, right? You, you look at your your number, you get a number in your head, you instantly know, do I hit the brake or do I hit the gas? You're already taking an action just because of the mere interaction with the number, right? Mm. That's how a marketer's Mm. dashboard should be. They can be, and and there's a method to it, but, but that's what I think a marketer's dashboard should be. So I am definitely numbers tolerant, right? Like, But I don't want to be in spreadsheets 12 hours a day. So I get into my data studio reports or my team does. And more importantly, the team that they're building now does As we build out the marketing department in our own organization. But they're looking at that information. They see the data studio report. They see exactly what they need. They already know the actions they're going to take and they're gone. And they're now focused on iterating and growing and making meaningful actions in the marketplace to actually adjust or improve the customer journey and adjust the results that we're getting because they know the measurement system told them what to do. Just like when you look at your car dashboard and you see this, how fast you're going, you go, oh, I hit the brake or I hit the gas. You instantly know what to do. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to analyze it because you would crash, right? And you certainly wouldn't be able to really drive very well. And that's what happens with most companies when it comes to their reporting that's vastly overcomplicated. doesn't need to be like that. They have, a, especially, you know, this is happening if, if somebody gives you a report and you're like, I have no idea what this means. So you just skip it. You know, and a lot of traffic agencies have that problem with clients. They, they'll give them a report. The client's like asking questions and you're like, it's, it's in the report. Like it's yeah, right my here. Clients say that to me now, dude. I'm
1: I'm shamed as you're speaking. Cause I realize that our reports, they're simple to us. Cause we know Google ads are not simple to my clients. Exactly to right. What a phenomenal standard to hold
2: your reporting to.
1: Yeah. We always think about quote. the
2: car dashboard as the spirit animal. That's what we're steering yeah. toward. Yep.
1: And you said it's, it's not difficult to make things complex. It's hard to make things simple. Say, well, how, I butchered it.
2: Make it. Yeah. The skills to make things simple. Right, it's easy to make things complex. It's easy. It's easy to overcomplicate things, but to keep things simple, that's, that's the skill. And so mm-hmm. when you're the measurement marketer, which is kind of why we created this, right? Cause our, our whole concept behind that was that there is kind of like you're talking about with, with an analog store, right? You've got a brick and mortar store. If you came into my store, say I have a shoe store for a cliche. So you come into my store, I'm going to say, Hey, how you doing? What are you here for? You know, how can I help you? And we're going to have that conversation. That's a very natural conversation to have. Well, based on what you say to me, I'm gonna adjust that conversation. So if you say, hey, I'm actually looking for the tire place that used to be here last year. And I'm like, oh yeah, they actually moved across the street, right? I've adjusted what I'm gonna to say to you based upon what you said, cause I was listening to what you said. And now I'm helping you out by getting into this next thing. Now, if you say, hey, I'm actually here for sneakers. I'm like, great, let's go take a look at the sneakers. And I'm gonna to try to, and we're gonna have a conversation about what type of sneakers, get you to try them on, hopefully tell you about my buy one, get one free offer, get you to pick up some socks on the way out, join the mailing list. And then you're off on your very way with a coupon when you bring back a friend, right? So that's the whole analog sort of brick and mortar journey digitally there is a conversation that's still happening like analog everybody gets that they get the brick and mortar idea but digitally that same thing is happening right now between the users and your website it's that you aren't there doesn't mean the conversation isn't happening right and so what's what the whole concept of measurement marketing is that when you measure that's you listening to their side of the conversation the better that you get at measurement in other words the different behaviors that you can measure for the better you are able to understand the actual conversation. So if I have a system, a measurement system, where I can only measure page views, that's good. It's better than ignoring them entirely, but I can't quite make out all the details of what they're saying. But if I have a, a measurement system that measures when they land on the page, when they're there 10 seconds later, when they scroll down halfway and they've still been there for 45 seconds, when they look at a specific part for four minutes and when they or four seconds, and when they click on a very specific button I need them to click on, what I'm measuring for each of those stages and steps. Now I'm really paying attention to where they are leaving off on the page or what's going on. And just by the fact that I see those numbers, tells me what to do to fix it. Cause I have certain expectations of how that's supposed to perform. Right. And so the world becomes a lot easier, you know, and especially when you think about retargeting, which is why we are in the mess we're in for the most part is marketers got, I think kind of lazy. They weren't using kill pixels the way they should have. And they're just following people around the internet to buy stuff that they have no, you know, real reason to buy or want to buy, but they accidentally showed something that triggered intent, right? Even though that really wasn't there. For example, we think brick and mortar, you come into my store and say, hey, I'm looking for the tire place. Well, in the digital world, I would then follow you over to the tire place. I would wait for you to come out and I would say, now do you want shoes? Because that must be normal <laughs> because you came into my shoe store. Why else would you have come into my shoe store? Right? And it's like, no, that, that makes no sense. You would never do that in the offline world. Online, we do it all the time. But when you measure for those stages of the journey and, and measuring for specific behaviors that are leading to a sale, right? To some sort of transaction, you can very clearly see and help that the group sort of delineates itself. It sort of you know separates itself out between the one person who came because they accidentally clicked on some ad when they were trying to play a game versus the ones who actually came with an intent of actually learning about the product or service. And now you have the way to group them out so you can, of course, adjust your ads um, accordingly to, you know, move them through the journeys. That's sort of how, you know, that's our tech stack. It really is simple, it's free. Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics, um, Google Data Studio. And there are some nuances to all of those, right? There's Google Analytics for now, there's Tag Manager server side, and you can go down the rabbit hole in those things. But if you're not using just the regular web versions to the point where you, you've you really uh, learned how to use those platforms, not, not can get in them and know where the reports are, but you actually know how to activate the platform, how to customize it and how to configure it for your unique business, once you know that stuff, then you move into the other things. Otherwise, don't worry about them until you get the basics
0: down. It's so funny that you said messy retargeting got us into this whole mess with privacy. Mm. And you know what? You're right.
2: You're so we, right. We created the nightmare we are in. We created the yeah.
0: nightmare that we're in. And it, you hear yeah. it all the time. It, you know, I clicked on this. What My buddy sent me an email. I clicked on this website for this surfboard. And I get these creepy ads all over the internet. And they won't leave, leave me. Yep, that's what, you know, the outer world now knows. I remember explaining retargeting at like a cocktail party 10 years ago and people like, whoa, that's so cool because it was new. And marketers like Ryan Dice always say marketers screw everything up. You know, we mess it up for (laughs) everyone else. And it's so damn true. Like Apple never would have done what they did last summer if it weren't for marketers, you know, having. Yep really crappy (laughs) retarget.
2: yeah i mean honestly that's that's what it was yeah it's it's our own fault and now but we can fix it we can absolutely fix it when it comes to measurement you know it's it's knowing who you know how are they are they into you or not right so it's not just like using an offline measurement it's not just picking up the phone and, and dialing it's how many did you actually connect with how many of those actually set the appointment how many of those actually did you show up for how many of those were actually qualified When you talk to them to actually purchase, how many of those actually did purchase, right? And you're measuring for each stage in that pipeline of whatever your customer journey is or what it looks like in your particular business model. And to know where that breakdown is. And then the beauty of it is when you do understand now that's what we call results and how. So you, you know, your result that you're getting, but you more importantly, most importantly know how you're getting that result. Well, then you start realizing different traffic sources are, have their own little personality types. And so and this is kind of the holy grail everybody you know just trying to switch to is like which i don't know if i should use google ads first or facebook first or organic or and it's like well when you understand who's all your different traffic sources and what and specifically the results that you're getting from those sources you will find some traffic sources are really good at awareness but they cannot close the deal for the life of but they're incredible at awareness then your retargeting comes in and gets them to engage and maybe hypothetically you know you get a coupon for 20 percent off when you join the email list or something and then email kicks in, and that's the thing that closes the deal for the customer. Journey. Right. And now you have these right. two different traffic sources that are now working in tandem. And as you as the traffic agency, is it, if it's your job to do top of funnel, that's what your reports are, are focused on, right? Like, here's what we're doing. If it's your job for maybe middle of funnel support with retargeting, well, you can measure for that to say, well, here's what our top of funnel awareness is doing. We made this many people aware of your brand or product or whatever it was. Then we had this many people engaged specifically for this behavior that they're doing. That's immensely useful for an organization to know, for a CMO to know so that they can tell how people are moving through the pipeline and then they can see the inefficiencies. So if something isn't working the way they thought, like if I have one salesperson that picks up a phone and talks to 20% of the time, they're talking to the person they need to talk to. And another one just talks to the person they're trying to talk to 1% of the time, I'm gonna go see what those two salespeople are doing differently and then teach the skills of one to another to improve things, right? That's Mm -hmm. what measurement allows us to do because it gives us visibility into the conversation That the users are having with the website, we can then say, hey, that's a conversation we want to have. Let's go get more users, or that's not quite what I want that page to be doing. Let's focus on the page, fix it, and then add more users so we can be more efficient with our dollars. So, I mean,
0: I think there's a universal truth here. I think all traffic sources, and by extension, their agencies that are associated with them, are greedy and they want to grab, they want to be able to claim the credit. And It's funny because, I mean, I see it on both sides of the equation. I see it when I'm looking at Google and I'm looking at Facebook. I see it on both sides. I see Google sometimes being underrepresented on one day ROAS versus Facebook overrepresented. Yep well, the call that we were just on, as a matter of fact, I'm like, I know that 7.9 ROAS in your Facebook ads is not true. It's like, it's because it's view through conversions and all these other sorts of things that go along with it because they have a massive list. It's Facebook's
2: version of the truth, but everybody has their own version of the truth, yeah.
0: Right, absolutely. So you as a market, and I've seen it the other way. I've seen it where Google is 7.9 ROAS and Facebook is 0.06 or 1 or 1.2 or whatever it happens to be. How do you as a measurement guy I don't know if this is a hard and fast rule or something that you can divulge or like, cause every situation is different, but how do you, as a measurement mm-hmm. guy, divvy that up? How do you parse it up? Like what's your methodology in which to do it? And I think you've given us three really, really solid tools here that we've been using for close to 10 years, I believe. But the point is, is like, still it's divvying that up. And it's all about attribution at the end of the day. Like how do you recommend yeah. to people that they look at it and parse it out?
2: Yeah, so the way to maybe visualize this is like a, a a wheel and spoke model is what most people use. So the mm-hmm. if you think about a wheel and spoke and you got the little middle part and everything else kind of pointing into the middle part, right? So the middle part, let's assume, is the result you're trying to get to, which is the transaction. And then what most people do is they're sending a bunch of traffic to the page and they're measuring for the transaction, right? But that transaction is at the very, very end of the process. That's the result we're trying to get, but they're not measuring for any of the house steps. But most organizations, that's kind of where they are. So they send a bunch of traffic all at this original funnel or customer journey, whatever the thing is, so that they know if they keep doing this, purchases will happen, which is true. And then they ask themselves, well, yeah, but which traffic source really made the purchase happen? But they're not measuring for it. They didn't set any of that stuff up. And that's that's where the mistake is because it becomes damn near impossible to figure that out without relying on some data-driven uh, modeling that comes in. And machine learning is a whole other ball of, game, ball of wax. I mean, you've got to... Uh, let that thing have a lot of data to, to get something meaningful for it. And the answers change day to day based upon what that is seeing. So people have to get used to, you know, using modeling, if that's what they want to go. Me personally, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like modeling, not that it's bad. I think it's, it's great and we'll get better with time. I am a control freak. I like to lift the hood and see the engine with all its little parts and pieces fitting together and see how they fit together. So I can have a better trust in the number because I understand how that number is getting there. Versus somebody saying like Google used to do smart goals back in the day. It was like, Hey, we'll, we'll decide what the goal is. And then we're going to spend the money to achieve that goal. And you just trust us. We're going to, we're going to take, it. I'm like, no, you're not just to spend a bunch of money, like that's, what's going to go on. And so I don't like that. I like having control so I can tell, hairs hey, how it's supposed to work? Is it working the way it's supposed to most powerful question any business can ask, is it working the way it's supposed to? So when it comes to that, that wheel and spoke the alternative for me anyway, is I love what is quickly going out of favor, but I love it. And I think most people just don't realize they never used it properly, which is last click. I try to minimize the time between the traffic source that's causing the session or the visit and the result that I'm looking for to seconds, right? So I'm measuring for a specific behavior very quickly in the same session that I needed to do. So with a Facebook ad, if I'm measuring for awareness, it might be, okay, I need them to be aware. I'm gonna know 10 seconds later, I'm measuring for that. Now that ad has achieved its objective. If they accidentally buy, that's awesome, but that's not what the ad's supposed to do. The ad's supposed to get them in a group so I can get this other ad to get them to buy, right? And so we'll we'll kind of do that. But now that other ad has a specific thing that it can measure for. And then what's happening, and we put little, you know, using UTM codes and but little signals that basically tell us, this is the audience of this ad, this is, or this traffic source, because we do this consistently with Facebook or Google or uh, email, whatever it is. But we'll have a a little signal in there that tells us this is the audience that I'm bringing to the page as this ad, right? whatever this thing is, email or whatever the thing that brought them to the page was. Here's who I'm bringing. Here's what they should be doing in this visit. And so we'll measure for those things. And then we make sure that the specific traffic source is doing what it's supposed to do. And we know that we have to measure through a pipeline. Yes, I want sales just like everybody else does. But that's not like at the end of the day, I cannot control revenue. My customers are the only people that have the revenue. They are the only ones that can control that number. What I can influence is the number of people I ask and how I design things out and the copy that I'm using and the value that I'm building in the offers or not building in the offers. That's what encourages the consideration behavior to give them reasons to actually consider purchasing and then making sure that it's an easy thing to do or it doesn't bring up objections so that they actually do purchase at whatever the amount is. And so that's how we do it. We just do last click we, when mostly I like last click because there's very little time that's passed because that's where it gets complicated. When you add time, That's where, you know, you start going, well, was it the Google ad that actually did it? Like, I know a a popular thing people measure for is, well, the Facebook uh, webinar that we did three years ago, those people are now worth $300,000. And it's like, well, I guess we should do more Facebook webinars. But it's like, at this point, the money that they spent yesterday with you probably is not really directly related to the fact that they were on that Facebook webinar. That Facebook webinar got them into your system, maybe. And, but there's a lot of other messages that actually moved that specific needle. And so we always try to do that and making sure that we're measuring within a specific visit for the action we're trying to achieve and then having other ads that are there to uh, you know, move them through the journey. If they didn't go full force through the funnel, like they were, you know, and in, maybe initially had intended, if that makes sense. So that's how no, we handle it. makes sense. So if
0: you're using last click as sort of your default, doesn't that really Wait. screw your top of funnel traffic sources and ultimately make the decision to shut them off by mistake? I mean, I think Mm-mm. that's because that's a, com- that's a common mistake yeah. a lot of people make, though.
2: I'm just saying for you, yeah. I, I know you don't, but yeah, yeah. But it's, how do you not, safeguard it,
0: against it, that?
2: Because it's it's what the ad is designed to do, right? It's, it's setting set the expectation.
1: With the top of funnel, exactly, attribution.
2: right. Top of funnel goal for top of like, so we're measuring top of funnel ads are there to get them? Are they on that page more than 10 seconds? Yes, done. You've done your job ad. Congratulations. That's all I judge you for. Then there's the middle of funnel ad to the middle of funnel metric. The end of funnel, you know, bottom of funnel to the bottom of funnel metric, right? Which might be email or Facebook. And then what we're doing is we're measuring different traffic sources that are all trying to get awareness or all supposed to get engagement or all supposed to complete the customer journey. And now you can measure which traffic source is really good at actually when it was it Facebook, Google, Google organic, right? Paid ads, YouTube, social outreach. What are, of all the things we do that are designed to get awareness, which one's really the best at it. And now I can go put my resources toward that. And then I do that. I can answer the same question when it comes to engagement, same question when it comes to completing, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's why I said, that's where you start to see like, oh, actually Google organic and the social outreach that we're doing is really good in awareness. It's the retargeting campaigns for both Facebook and Google that get them on the list. And it's those emails that are actually closing the deal. That's how things are working. That's how they're supposed to work. Let's make sure that keeps happening. Right. And measuring traffic source varies to a specific result that traffic source is supposed to get in that specific customer journey. And that's
0: where that 10 second benchmark comes from. That you don't see in the a whole top lot of, of people doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, at the, exactly. top of yeah the top of funnel, and
0: then obviously a little bit more narrow. Maybe down at add to cart, it's five seconds. But it's like if they're if it's doing that, it's doing its job in essence. Exactly, or it's measuring As for the part add of to cart entire... click.
2: Yeah, because you can measure for that specific behavior and say, forget time. Maybe it's just oh, I want them to add to cart, and then it's okay. Well, now I need another ad that's going to for me that would click in another ad immediately, whose job it is to get them to complete the cart, right? But it only does that if they haven't already completed the card, obviously. And that's where you got to just make sure your audiences are not talking to people who already bought the thing, right? To say, go check out for 20% off. and Like I just did, but I didn't get 20% off and I want your coupon code, right? But as long as right. you're managing your audiences properly and you're moving them through. And then this goes back to the idea of forecasting, right? Which I think a lot of companies don't properly do. They might have goals. Like they, for- they forecast in terms of like, here's how much money we're going to have next month or what we're swinging toward but they don't know how they're going to do that. They're not forecasting the activities that are going to create that. And that's where the mistake is when it comes to forecasting. So in our case, like our marketing team, they have their forecasts by week and they know how many people they're going to ask to buy every single product and service that we have. So let's just keep with the academy for now. They know how many people they're going to ask this week. And how do they measure the ask? They measure the ask using that investigate signal. So for them, it's not how many people saw the page, it's how many people scrolled to the pricing table, looked at it for at least four seconds to have some sort of behavior that indicates that they were thinking about it. That's an ask. Then we measure considers as the cart view. So anybody that goes to the cart, that's, they're definitely considering buying at that point. And then of course, transactions is the thank you page, and then we measure the average amount. But they have, because they know those three numbers, the ask, considers, and the transactions, right? The ACT, what we call the ACT model. So when we have the, the ask, considers, and transactions being measured, then we can tie the traffic source to what's really good at each one of those three stages. And that now infer, builds our machinery so we can say, well, this is how it's been working. Let's add more budget to the awareness of, let's say it was Facebook that was really good at doing that. Let's give Facebook more budget for that top of funnel. And what should happen is if we you know 10X that awareness, we should see the same percentage go to consideration and the same percentage of that go to purchase, which should generate this much money. And then you give Facebook the money and you measure against and see, is that what happened. You know, and for us, we do a a little bit more further, like we'll measure CPM. We project out what CPM is going to be, the number of impressions or reach we should get with the spend we're giving Facebook just to measure that and, you know, understand that side of the platform. But the whole idea is here's how it should be working. Is it working the way it's supposed to and focusing on those activities those of how building blocks because at the end of the day, we cannot control the results that we get, but we can absolutely influence the activities. And that's what produces the results kind of as a symptom of the activities being done. You
1: know, what's funny here, Chris is. Just built performance max manually,
2: Mercer. You don't you don't know what that oh, is? Oh yeah, we were talking about performance max earlier off off camera. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah so yeah. Google is trying to find the tiny steps that people take towards a purchase. Yeah, they're trying to find that on your behalf, and you just you've had this for years. You've had performance max for years, and the rest of us just opened the door to it. I think that's really cool. Yeah, well,
2: it's great that well, they automated doing it because that's going to work better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so yeah, here's yeah.
1: the problem. Here's the problem with automating it. Mercer is always going to be able to see performance max. You're flying blind on so many levels. So you're taking it for granted, right? Oh, absolutely. It goes into that modeling. exact same trap we've always been in, which is like, oh, just trust the bot. But I can't see like, oh, this page is the third step and time on site needs to be X. So because Google, at least up until now, isn't giving us that insight data. So when I go change that page because I have new content or my pricing updated or whatever, I kill my performance max campaign without even knowing it. So Mercer has built it out manually, which gives you far more control, but you actually have to be an industrious human and do the work and 99% of us aren't gonna do that.
2: Yeah, and again, the, the beauty of it though, just to, to emphasize, yes, there are multiple moving pieces to building out what we now have, but the actual usage of this is five or maybe 10 minutes a week. So it feels like it's a lot, but really we look at this data studio report, we go, okay, like, and by I say we, not me, It's our marketing team. Right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, marketing director is going to come on. He's going to see this report and let's say he didn't hit the ask number that he was supposed to hit. In other words, that behavior, because he always thinks in not so much the numbers, it's the behaviors that those numbers represent. That's what we're thinking about. So he's visualizing all the people he said he was supposed to get to look at the pricing table for at least four seconds. If he didn't hit that number, there's another report he goes to that shows why. So was it traffic coming to the page? Right? Like, was it just because we didn't send enough people to the page? Was it because not enough of those stayed around 10 seconds? Was it because not enough of those scrolled down and stayed around for about a minute? Was it because none of those actually? And he, and he goes through the various stages. And, and this is where it goes back to you mentioned about offer versus headline or something like that. That's how he knows as a marketing director, where to focus marketing's resources. Because he's not going to tweak the offer if they haven't even seen the offer and and he's losing interest in the copy side. Then he goes and tweaks the interest part of it. So for example, if we have a, a lot of people who are coming and they're showing interest, but they're not investigating. That is probably because we overcomplicated the message and we need to simplify it. That's a kind of the mm. shortcut way to think about it. It's like, okay, we, they're going, I, I don't have time to think about this. They're not even looking at the offer. So we're losing them in, in the interest section, right? Now, if they show interest, they show investigative behaviors, like they're looking at the pricing table, but they're not clicking. That's them saying, I get, I'm from my, that's, this is their side of the conversation, right? Best, best guess, would be that they're saying to us, I get what you're selling, at least I think I do, and I get what you're asking for it, and I don't think it's worth it, so I'm not going to click to go to the cart. So then the marketing team hears this and it's okay, well, we have to improve value. So it's either simplify the message or the value lever. So if they get the value back, they go back and, okay, let's look at, oh crap, we did what everybody else does when they first do copy. It's like we did 12 different features, no benefits to the features. So let's add mm-hmm. in a little languaging, right? And you come back with like, which means to you, which really means to you, you know, and imagine where you can, if future pacing comes in and it builds the value of learning the skills. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm a big, you know, sales training guy back in the day, I'm learning from Zig Ziglar and all those guys. And one of the things he used to say was like, selling is just a transference of belief. So if you believed how I believe about the measurement, I would not have to market at all. I would just be constantly collecting the money by people who get this because it changes forever how you look at your world when you understand how to measure. Um, and the amount of control and stability and everything else you get in your organization, the ability to grow, like it's just off the charts. So when we are writing copy, we understand that, but we have to make sure that we transfer that right through the copy is supposed to transfer that conversations. I can't actually be there talking to them. It's going to transfer hopefully that belief in that what measurement marketing will allow the organization to do. So they ultimately buy it. But the trick is we are using measurement marketing to grow measurementmarketing.io, our company, because we can tell, oh yeah, we, we went a little too quick here. We overcomplicated us too many things. Like one of the biggest lessons we learned was we used to put in all the bells and whistles, of all the different courses and we were just losing interest, right? So we went, we realized, okay, that's probably a signal we need to simplify it. So it wasn't the person at this time, do they wanna learn all the 45 million things about Google Analytics? Does that page really need to tell them that? Or do they just wanna know, hey, are we also gonna learn analytics and Tag Manager and Data Studio? And the answer is yes, cool, I'm with you. I'm here to understand. I need to know that you are gonna teach the measurement marketing framework and help me with measurement and, and learn how to measure. Cause that honestly, that's the skill. It's learn how to measure the tools are secondary, right? If you don't know how to measure it, it doesn't matter about the tools. You're just going to misuse them or not get anything you can from them because you don't know how to measure. So you have to learn how to measure. But in that process, of course, we teach you how to use the tools and specifically the free ones because everybody's got access to it. So when we change the messaging and we said, yeah, we're going to teach you how to measure. And yes, we're going to cover these tools and you're going to know everything you need. And we're the one stop shop. It was like, cool, that's all I needed. I'm good. And there wasn't, you know, the all the different stuff that was there. Because what happens is that planted a seed, we think, of an objection of like, God, there's a lot. Like, I'm never going to be able to get through this in a month. Yeah, you know? it's overwhelming. Exactly. And so it's like, we're going to tell them what they need to hear at the point in the customer journey that they are currently at. And when they come into the academy, we're helping them on board, right? We have instructors and the Ask Instructor Support System and all that stuff. We introduce them to their instructors and or they introduce themselves to the instructors. And the instructors build a curriculum for them. And at that point, now you've got momentum. And, and at that point, it makes co- that sense to have conversation about specific courses to take for specific things that you're trying to accomplish, but it doesn't make sense to talk about that before you've bought the product. But we, the reason we even had that thought is because we saw the data, right? We saw that story. We saw that conversation in our reports and we went, wow. Okay. We understand now that we know that that that's the conversation they're having with us. How are we accidentally causing that? Right? And that's how we change how we respond, which is the marketing side of things, right? Measurement's how we listen. Marketing is how we respond. So we adjusted our marketing. And then we can measure within hours and i cannot emphasize that enough for companies that want to move fast measurements would allow you allows you to move fast we knew within hours that we were right because we could see the number move up all of a sudden because that, that trend and pattern started showing up that we wanted it to so we knew we could scale out whatever the thing was we wanted to scale out or at least move on to the next new next new thing that wanted to be improved you, that so
1: you got the, the best sound bites i love the measurement is how we listen and marketing is how we respond because when you put it in that way, those are such human terms. It's actually irresponsible not to measure now.
2: It kind it, of is. It, yeah, it, you don't want to really listen is. to your
1: customer. Like you don't, you you're not interested in what it is that they have to say or how they feel about something. Right.
2: People think measurement's all about ROAS and ROI, and that's an aspect to it, right? How much revenue was my average ar- average order value, or like that sort of stuff. They, and it, it is. It's part of it, but that's not all. It. It is there to not only tell you what's working or what's not, but if it's done really well, measurement will tell you what's coming next. And that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of it is when you can say, like, what popular question we get? Or uh, we're just trying to figure out people using our e-commerce store, or we're just trying to figure out people using our blog. Right. And my first question them immediately is, how are they supposed to be using your e-commerce store? Or how are they supposed to be using your blog? And I already know the answer. That's and then the answer is that's the first time anyone's ever thought about that question. Right. And Mm -hmm. they kind of this blank stare like, we don't know right? Mm. Well, we have a plan. Like we, we didn't build blog posts just because of, I don't know, SEO and internet, I guess. like That's what everyone does, but that's not smart decision. It's better to say this blog post, 30% of the people going to this page should be doing this. So I expect this many to go here, this many to go here, this many people leave a comment. And that's how I can judge is a blog post performing the way it's supposed to perform to feed the company because that's what the blog is there for. It's there to feed the marketing and to get them through that customer journey of, and every, every brand has got different customer journey. There's a brand customer journey. There's product customer journeys, right? There's different levels of customer journeys through the product of recurring rebuild as a customer journey to get them to rebuild again, or to get them to refer new people in. But that's what we measure for. We measure for all those different stages. We have a plan of how it's going to work, of how we think it's going to work, and then we put it out there. We measure against our plan at all the different stages and steps to see, is it working the way it's supposed to? And then if it's not, we'll adjust it because you'll instantly see where it's off. So you don't have to guess anymore. Like it eliminates, I think it's a Dan Kennedy term about random acts of marketing, but it eliminates the whole guessing thing or the gut or like the drama that comes out in organizations about what are we go, how are we going to improve results? It's like the customers told you this piece, fix this piece right here and they'll they'll continue the journey. It's like, oh, okay. So now marketing doesn't, there's no drama. There's just effective problem solving because you can clearly see where the problem is, where the challenge is. Aside from the 10 second
0: benchmarks, add to cart, notwithstanding, do -hmm. you have sort of conversion benchmarks that you'll utilize based upon the types of traffic that you're sending to a site? For example, you know, I need to have 70% of my cold traffic Stay on my fire the page view event and stay on that page for at least 10 seconds for that level one or cold traffic to do its job. I need somebody to like, is there a benchmark that you use? Like this is always I've asked this of so many funnel build people, especially in e-commerce, like what's your conversion rate on each step of the journey? Do you know what Where's I mean? Where's our infographic, oh, yeah.
1: Mercer? Make it easy.
0: Yeah. like, Do you have that? Is that something <laughs> yeah. that you utilize and then you you benchmark off it? But obviously, it's going to like, you know, brand traffic is going to be a hell of a lot different than level one but
2: cold traffic and right. then everything in between. So how do yeah, you do that's, that? That's exactly right. So and, and to your point, different different audiences are going to have different conversion metrics, right? People that are unfamiliar with the brand cold traffic aren't going to convert anywhere near as well as people who are very familiar with the brand, right? So the warmer, hot traffic. So for us, so, and this is sort of how we started and then we, we backed it out, right? We just kept doing measurement. So we learned measurement and then we just kept doing measurement at the various levels. And now we have this foundation of just, that's how we think right as a company. So when we first started, it was like everybody else. It was, okay, we need to have, let's say, cold traffic, one to 3% of the people coming to the page are going to buy the product. And that's what we thought. And if it's a uh, warm traffic, it's like five to 10%. We would start with kind of just overall conversion metrics in terms of how the overall funnel is going to go, but that wasn't enough for us because we like if it wasn't converting or if it converted higher than it was supposed to be converting, we didn't necessarily see why. We saw people were going in the top, we knew there was processing of that customer journey, and then we saw the bottom spit out the number, but we didn't actually know what was going on in the machinery. So we backed it out, and to your point, we said, okay, we're going to measure these different stages of a funnel. So for us, we're direct response, so we have. The offer page, the cart page, and the thank you page. So now we have a specific mechanism of forecast, right? We always have to forecast the results, always. So for us, it's eight to twelve percent of the people who see an offer page for direct, typical direct response for an offer page are going to go to the cart, and let's say forty to forty, you know, forty to fifty-five percent, depending upon the offer, should complete the cart at whatever the ticket is, average ticket, right? And that's how you you print out your revenue. So that's how we measure it. So when we're looking at our, our pages, the first thing the marketing team will do is go to that page and say, did we hit eight to 12% of the people going to the cart? If so, did let's say roughly half buy at the ticket price that we wanted to buy. If the answer is yes, then everything is working the way it's supposed to work. Get more people in the funnel, right? So it's obvious action, which is feed the funnel, get more eyeballs into that funnel. If the answer is no, let's say 2% of the people went to the cart page. Then they go, okay, let's go see why that's happening. And that's where, in, in our case, we bring up that eyes on the journey report. So we on a one page, we can see how many showed interest in what that page had, how many investigated the offer on that page, how many initiated to click on that page. So it's kind of like a deep dive x-ray of a specific step of that funnel. And so they can see, oh, they're not even investigating the offer. So that's the issue. Or was it, oh, no, they're all investigating the offer, but nobody's clicking because it's two different right. solutions based on yeah. that. right? And so now the marketing team immediately sees that. And again, this takes seconds, not even practically minutes. It's seconds. So you can see, cause we know like, for example, introduced for us is 88 to 93% have to be there within 10 seconds. If it's less than that, we have a problem with above the fold design wise, or the ad that was bringing them in with our traffic source was there was a mismatch in expectations, right? The old like pants are on sale, but then I drop you off to a tire store and you're like, that's a disconnect. I'm not going to buy tires. Right? So, you know, we'll, we'll look for that make sure we're matching expectation. Then we'll go down to interested. And I think that is 55 to 65% of the people should show some sort of interest. So that behavior for us is 45 seconds and scrolling in the copy about halfway down, and then we have investigated for us, 30 to 40% should be investigating. And then other people who click, right? That's how we get to the eight to 12% should click. So again, if we're hitting the eight to 12%, that funnel's probably working, but if we're not hitting it, we, instead of going, well, geez, do we flip the headline, do we change the target of the ads? Uh, do we flip to a, a webinar model? Like, do we put a VSL instead of long form copy and all the other stuff that everybody else on the planet does, we just look at the numbers and go, oh, they just weren't interested in this. You lost them here. Let's simplify the copy, chop out a bunch of stuff. And then it should look like this tomorrow. And they do that and they can make very quickly and then see, did they actually, is it working the way it's supposed to? You know, And once it does, they've now validated that they have had a conversation with the marketplace and the power that the marketing department has, the empowerment they feel, because they really get it because they can move the needle, right? And that's what measurement allows them to do. So that's that's the power of it. Those
0: are lofty metrics. That means your card abandonment rate is only 56%, which is like way above like industry it can, standards.
2: Correct. It, it can, again, depending upon the traffic source, right? So if you have that okay. cold traffic, which is to be aware, and then we're trying to get them to retarget, right? To come in. Oh, you're doing it everything
0: you're, together or you're just talking, at,
2: okay. Yes, all of it specifically to get that customer journey, right? But, but again, okay. different models, right? You might have a webinar, you can use the same thing, except your webinar metrics are going to be how many people saw the registration page, how many of those registered, how many showed, how many actually saw the offer, and then how many people you know clicked and purchased. And so we'll measure a webinar in that the same exact sort of style, right? But we have our expectations for the webinar. And I don't think they're abnormal from what uh, most people are saying. Like, for example, webinar converts at a higher conversion rate, which is true, but it's because it's really warm traffic by the time they're seeing the offer. So of course mm. it's going to convert right. at 10%, right? Because they're warm traffic at that point. They've been with you for an hour and a half or whatever it's been. But Lots when you variables. look at the number of people to registration, this is the trick. When you look at the number of people who saw the registration to begin with, not opted in, saw it, you end up being closer to that 1%, 1% to 3% cold traffic number. Because at that point they were cold traffic. And that's That's how you. That's, that's the beauty of the system. When you get used to trends and patterns and realizing like that for me, that's like the warm, comfy blanket, trends and patterns. Because I, mm-hmm. I can rely with better than average chance how things are going to look next week because of the, how they have been looking over the last few weeks. And to the extent that we do it, we do it through the year. So we will predict, we forecast by week for a year out. And then each week we're measuring, did it happen the way we thought it to? And based upon what we now know as the most current truth of actual results, do we need to adjust our forecast over the next few weeks? But that's how we know how much revenue we're going to make in December because we know what our goals are for how many people we're going to ask the third week of December to buy the product. You know what I mean? And that's where that's marketing is steering toward. It's yeah. incredibly dot. but again, that's measurement as a culture because mm. you won't have that in your organization if you don't have measurement as a culture because you're not even asking those questions. You know if you want better results, ask better questions. And measurement allows us to ask better questions because you can see stuff that you could not otherwise see.
0: It's tremendous. Final question from me. I know we've taken out, we, well, it's been a long time coming, so we might have to make this. This is great. Far. I love this.
2: I can geek out about this stuff all day.
0: I know. We, we can listen all day. I can keep asking questions all day. But no, those benchmarks, I think, are actually huge. You're the first person that's actually given any sort of percentage benchmarks, which is tremendous.
1: Hey, it's Gossam here, and I have another question for you. What would your business look like if you had 55% more traffic, 67% more leads, and 30% more revenue on top of what you're already producing? Would that make a big difference in your bottom line or even your bank account? Well, those are the statistics for businesses that blog consistently. And I think the reason is simple. It's because Google wants to recommend websites with helpful content. Here's the problem. If you're like me, you don't have the time to sit down and write blogs. And even if I did manage to get enough words on the page, none of it's going to be any good. So, if you're in that same position, I want to recommend our buddies at BKA Content, who will write all of your blogs for you. They'll do all the research and all the writing. So, all you have to do is copy and paste. If you want to try them out, they're giving PT listeners 50% off. That's 5 0% off their first month. Just go to BKAcontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's BKAcontent.com forward slash perpetual. IOS,
0: IOS 14, mm-hmm. how did mm-hmm. it affect you? What are, what were you telling people? It's a little bit after the fact now. People have either yeah. found their solution or they haven't. Like, what's your stance on it? Like, w- where do you sit with it? How much has it impacted like your overall business? Just like talk about yeah. just it in general and what your solutions have been.
2: That's so, from- yeah, I think from our perspective, because we've been doing this for so long, this was just another thing that's happened and it's happening in a long list of things that have already happened that people weren't complaining about. The reason that was such a big deal was because Facebook flipped out the world because they got taken off. They just got taken to the shed by Apple, right? So then like they threw a temper tantrum, freak out everybody about how this is going down. They could care less when the whole cookie thing happened with Safari a couple of years back, right? They didn't mm. mention that at all. So it was like this stuff for me, this is just another thing that's going to be what we're already in. There's going to be stuff that happens two years from now where there's going to be less people able to be measured. We just understand that. The trends and patterns are going to change. It's not a big deal. So for us, you sell a bunch we, of didn't, we didn't, we did
1: I mean, iOS 14 had to catalyze a ton of interest. Oh, for sure. People happen.
2: all of a sudden get real, you know, real interested in measurement when stuff yeah. like that happens. Yeah. Right. But their instinct, and this is where the problem is. Their instinct is how do I measure everybody that doesn't want to be measured? Mm. The answer is you cannot do that. Even if you could, it's going to get you in trouble eventually. So don't, because that's going to be laws. That's going to be real compliance oriented stuff that you do not want to mess with because it's going to be real sexy to take people to jail over that stuff, not maybe jail, but lots of fines. And in reality, now does a small business have the word that? Probably not depending on where they are. But small businesses in Europe are getting dinged with stuff right now that they wouldn't have thought they were on the hook for. Oh, dude,
1: that the legislation so, in Europe has teeth. I've got friends that have been on the receiving end of that, and oh my it's goodness, exactly right. And that's why you yeah. can't
2: assume that that's never going to touch you or that you don't have to worry about it because eventually you will. So right. the sooner you learn measurement, the less those sort of weird waves coming up on the rocks they just don't affect you anymore because you're like, Oh, it's just another wave. It's just the, how the ocean works. It's not a big deal because I understand how to use a boat. You know what I mean? Like that's what measurement's all about. It helps you navigate through that. So the short answer, we didn't react one way or the other to it, we were looking at it. We're like, yeah, of course there's another thing, but there's going to be more. So that's whatever we'll just keep doing the same things we're doing. And because we have other measurement aspects, we weren't just using Facebook as the sole source of truth. If we were, we would have been a world of hurt because their source of truth radically changed. They started doing modeling, which takes time. Right? So it was like all this stuff started happening and they're like, oh, you know, what's going on. And I, we would have been hurt, but because we have analytics analytics picked up a lot of that stuff. That Facebook otherwise couldn't see and we could still see the trends and patterns we could still say this is how this is supposed to work and this is how it's working so we could still do all of that and I think uh, if I can give advice to anybody with any of these compliance things that happen like this or, or tech changes the instinct is to react just bide your time count to 30 days and then <laughs> react right like then see what other people have done because there's a lot of people that like I remember when Canada's version of Can spam came out There were people emailing me hey i'm taking off all the canadians off the list i remember when gdpr came out i was getting emails i'm getting rid of everybody that's that's european because this is what's going to be and everybody just overreacts they make Mm. big giant massive changes they overreact and they overcorrect if at all sometimes they just make things a lot worse and especially if they don't know measurement to begin with how do they know what to do right Mm. and so when you when you get a little more calm and you understand measurement you start to go okay The Facebook pixel isn't going to be able to get its quality information the way it once could. So what can we do? Well, there's this thing called Facebook Cappy, we can go directly to Facebook. And that's That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. This is exactly what's happening is the trend is we know there's going to be less quantity in in terms of unique users. You're not gonna be able to measure as many users. That's just going to be a thing. It's going to get worse, not better. And it's just going to continue like that for decades. That's what's going to happen. That's okay. Cause there's a thing called statistics. So you can measure a certain sample size and then based upon that sample size, you can predict with reasonable usefulness how the rest of the group is gonna perform. And that's all measurement is, is understanding trends and patterns. So as long as I have enough being measured that I can still see my trends and patterns, it doesn't matter. That said, let's say at the end of the day, if there was a way, if I'm not gonna be able to measure everybody that I want, let's say I can measure worst case 10 out of 100 people, which is not the case right now, but let's pretend it is. If I can only measure 10 out of every 100 people that come to my page, but those 10 people, I can give a lot more unique, more higher quality details about the behaviors that are landing on the page and the information about them. Well, now Facebook's algorithm, even though it has less quantitative data by user, the, the data that it has is much deeper. It's much more nuanced. It's much more rich. So they can build better quality audiences because they know all these different data points. And that's what's happening now.
1: Yeah, the problem there is a critical mass issue. Small advertisers don't spend enough to reach that threshold.
2: So that is true. Yeah, the larger that
1: advertisers that didn't have a funding problem, I don't think they were impacted quite as much, or at least on the long term, won't be impacted quite as much. It's the SMBs Correct. that are, you know, they're just spending enough to kind of poke their head above water from a data perspective. And when you take any amount of data from them, it can be catastrophic.
0: And I think they don't have the broad view too. So it's, it was in a. Uh, it's a legitimate gripe by Facebook, but they just kind of yep. came across in the wrong way to begin with. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's 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 legitimate, but again, they don't control the infrastructure, right? So that's why they're like, that's what's going to happen. When you when you ride on somebody else's roads, don't be mad if there's a toll there one day. Like that's what's going to happen. But that's the idea is like, if you can give the platforms better quality data because you improve your measurement ability, and this is not something that somebody should swing for on day one, but eventually you start understanding Cappy. There's easy ways mm-hmm. to do that. You can start opening up your own, what they call a measurement server and where your own server is measuring stuff. You have a separate server just for measurement um, that you can use with Tag Manager. And now you have first-party cookies. You have control over the data. You actually can get around the Safari seven-day cookie thing. And it was, But don't worry about that stuff. If you're not even measuring for how many people are aware of your customer journey, completed the customer journey, and engaged along the way. You know what I mean? Like, first things first. You're not
0: taking your one, two, three steps to begin with that we talked about in the earlier part of the show. Right. Don't worry about that Don't worry about
2: painting the walls until you pour the foundation of the freaking building first. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like, let's not talk about what color artwork is going to go on the wall yet. So first things first. Get good at measurement. And then the rest of it, if you just keep doing that, it naturally brings you to those solutions. So you can get really good at that stuff. Even if you're a small business, you can do that. Uh, depending upon the traffic, obviously. But even, even you, without yeah. it, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just All measurement is, is a map of reality, right? It's right. a map of the territory. So like a GPS signal, if it tells me to go down a one-way street, the wrong direction, I don't just go like, well, the map told me, I guess I'm going to do it. I'm like, no, reality is different, right? And you adjust the map. You might download downward a, a firmware update or your, your car, right? Cars have to do this now. But otherwise, you're always getting whatever the representation of reality is. And that's all measurement is, is you representing what that's going to be. I personally don't think there's a problem in the future. I think it'll be likely that there'll be conversion rates where we have this conversation in five years, and you say, "Hey, what are the new conversion rate benchmarks?" And I'll say something like, "Well, for every um, person that comes to our page here, I expect the opt-in rate to be 237% to 350%." And you're gonna be like, "What? Like how?" And that's just because I can't measure as many people as I know are on those pages, right? So, like maybe Google Analytics doesn't have as much ability to see this is five years from now. But let's say a good chunk of those people are just ghosts. I can't see them anymore. I can't measure for that. But my CRM definitely knows how many emails it got as new leads. Mm. So as long as I have that number, all I'm doing is what's the it's trend and pattern? How of many? truth, right. Exactly right. And you combine yeah. the different sources of the truth to see the story, to see the conversation. And all I'm gonna do is change my map and be like, well, back in the day, I could say 30 to 35% with cold traffic. Well, now I say cold traffic should be at least 150 to 200%. That's- mm. At the end of the day, the companies that are chasing around what the number actually is, I'm just leaving in the dust because all you need to do is what actions do I need to take to improve the results? And right. as long as you can get your trends and patterns with measurement to get those actions, you're done with measurement. Move on. Go go yeah. fix things. You know what
0: I mean? Now, on that note, you mentioned statistical patterns and you-, you know predictive measurement. How effective do you think the Facebook modeling system is right now? Because- we've seen it fill a fair amount of gaps. Now, we also have a lot of Cappy integrations. And by the way, we're gonna leave links to the show notes if you have are not familiar with what Chris is talking about there. We're not gonna get into it here, but we've had three Facebook people on here and talked about CAPI and Cappy Gateway many times. So that's sort of version 2.0 of what Chris is discussing. But like, what do you think, what's your sense as far as what modeling really is actually, and is it having an impact inside Facebook Ads Manager from your experience?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's having an impact. But modeling, when it comes to measurement, everybody has to do this. So it's not just Facebook. It's platforms like Google Analytics Four, which is the thing that everybody should be using right now. If they're not, not maybe as our production platform, but you got to learn how to use that platform because Universal is mm-hmm. going away as of July first, twenty twenty three. It stops working. So you have to now. You've really got to start using Google Analytics Four. But it's built with machine learning and AI. It's built for modeling. So the trick is, well, how do you work with model data? Model data is just an opinion. It's an estimated guess, right? Now I do this all the time with my forecast, except that I'm manually guessing. So I'm very used to dealing with this world where it's just probabilities of success. There is no yes or no, there's no black or white, there's no zero or one, right? It's probabilities of success. So how close am I to being right? And Facebook, what's gonna happen in the beginning, my guess is they get a bunch of data, their algorithms are gonna have to tweak and work and learn and grow, and they will get better over time. Because humans are amazingly easy to predict. And, <laughs> and when we're in a mob, we're just super easy to predict behaviors on. Individually, it's much harder. So like if you go fishing, I'm not so concerned about what one particular fish in the river did. What I want to know is what most of the fish are most of the time, because that's how I know where to throw my hook, right? Because the probabilities of catching a fish are higher if I do that. Versus then I see how one fish, you move through the river and assume that's how all fish do it. And that's, that happens a lot with measurement. People get caught up in that. It's all about trends and patterns. Models, that's all they do is predict trends and patterns. And they do, or you know, the goals they're supposed to learn, so they should be getting better and more useful with time, but they take time. Like Google Analytics 4 it takes three days, 72 hours. So imagine looking at your numbers on Google Analytics 4 and it says, hey, 10, 10 of the people that you got as leads, they were all direct non-traffic. And then you look at that same day, a couple of days later, and it says, well, actually four were direct none, three were from Facebook, three were from Google Ads. That's exactly what's going to happen because the model has time to think about it and then properly attribute its best guess to what the actual traffic source was that, that moved the needle, um, on that particular thing. So that's, that's how I look at modeling people are going to have to get used to it. You got to give it time. You probably can't do a lot of last minute reaction type marketing anymore because the model needs time to actually work, to give you an answer, but it is just predicting trends and patterns. So the more comfortable, if you're not comfortable with modeling, it might be because you're not comfortable with trends and patterns, get used to doing that in your own organization, however you can integrate that technique, and the models will become a little less obtuse, a little less black box for you, and I think you'll get more use, a little more use, uh, usefulness from them.
1: Chris, have you read uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb's Anti-Fragile?
2: Uh, yeah, probably a summary or something years ago at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because I think that you just made me think of the book when you were talking. I feel like you're anti-fragile, your organization's anti-fragile. In that every time there's a change like iOS 14 or GDPR or whatever, it's, it benefits you, it benefits measurement. And I think any company that really invests heavily in measurement becomes anti-fragile because even if there's a change that, that hurts them, it hurts their competitors more. And now I know where to go, what to do, how to adjust where, you know, 95%, this is going to sound more aggressive than I mean for it. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to dismiss our listeners, but 95% of the people that listen today won't take action. Right. But there's 5% that will. Right. And those people set themselves up so well. you know. In the very beginning, it's going to be way more pain than gain. But as soon as there's a major market adjustment shift, whatever, now they're in a position to take it, run with it, capitalize on it. And other po- folks might not even know.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Like for me, measurement, I mean, obviously self-serving, right? Consider the source. But for me, there is no more powerful skill than measurement because you can see the visibility of how things are working and if they're mm-hmm. working the way they're supposed to be, right? And, and that's what, at the end of the day, as, a, as an owner, right? Not just the, market, the main market of my company, but the owner of the company, it's my job to grow the company and put systems in place. Measurement is how we do that. And so we've taught our marketing uh, director to do measurement. He's building a marketing team that's focused on measurement. No one's looking at reports twelve hours a day. They look at them for minutes at a time, and they go off and they focus on activities that are going to move a needle. And they can say with reasonable certainty, "I'm going to make this action happen." And tomorrow, this report's going to show this instead. So instead of thirty percent, it's going to show fifty percent, or whatever the numbers are trying to hit. So they are, there's no guessing, and there's no opinion, and there's no there's just no drama. Can I emphasize that enough? It becomes it's It just becomes a little more boring. But the idea is that you can now focus your resources on intelligent conversations. So if you are absolutely having to adjust the above the fold, because that's what the conversation is saying you need to do. At least we are all focused on that. And we're not, there's not somebody out there going, well, I think we should change the offer. It's like, well, it's not a thing. They're not even seeing the offer. Don't worry about that yet. Let's get them to see the offer before we know if it's the offer, you know? Mm. And so it just using measurement to focus the resources, I think is a huge, huge thing. And it will, it will change forever how you look at the world. And the, especially from a control freak perspective, it's great for us that are control freaks. Because you can, you are literally saying this domino is going to hit this domino and you can measure for if that's happening or not. And if it doesn't, for whatever reason, if the dominoes don't fall down the way you thought they were going to, you're going to see where the break was. So you can go fix it and adjust it, you know, and set them back up so you can, you know, hit them. and once you nail it, it's just like, cool, just send traffic. Now we got that one going, let's create another new funnel. You know, that happens.
1: Mercer, people want to dive deeper, learn from you, hire your certified folks. Like where do they go? What do they do?
2: Sure. Great question. So if you're looking for, we have a ton of free training on our YouTube channel. So if you want to subscribe to that, it's measurementmarketing.io forward slash YouTube, and it'll take you to the page where you subscribe to the channel, we get a ton of training for beginners, for more advanced stuff, for the different platforms. It's all organized by playlists there. Otherwise we do have a, a free membership. So obviously if people want to really dive into this and go join the Academy, but we do have a free membership. That's got a ton of tools as well as free training. And that's like, we have a traffic traffic cool kit. There's an optimization pipeline planner back there. There's a forecasting tool back there. Amongst other things, dashboard templates and, and things like that, all free. Um, and that's what we call the measurement marketing toolbox. So it's just the name and email. And if anyone's interested in that, just go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash perpetual, and that'll take you to that page. So again, measurementmarketing.io forward slash perpetual.
0: There's so many nuggets here. So if if this is an area of your business which you've just sort of glossed over and said, eh, you know, I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. I'll just focus on my traffic and my offer. Well. You don't know what's good in any one of those unless you actually know your measurement so and those are the two things that we talk about here and obviously conversion rates everything that's after the click and all the traffic sources everything else none of this really matters unless you have what we talked about in this episode so go back and listen to this definitely go grab some free resources from chris so make sure you check out everything over uh, at measurementmarketing.io chris thanks so much for coming on today Let us know what we can do better here on the show. Head on over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. We do read every single uh, bit of input that we get. Follow myself and Kasim over on the Twitters if you'd like. And go back and listen to previous episodes. We did mention a few episodes with the Facebook guys, the Solutions Engineers guys at Facebook. And we'll leave those links inside the show notes, uh, especially on Cappy and Cappy Gateway, which is an important part, especially if you're a Facebook marketer. And uh, all the resources and all that good stuff is going to be over at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, until next show, see ya.
2: You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic.